Thanks for tuning in to Three Strands Podcast. You're about to hear an episode from our Sunday morning worship service. To learn more about Three Strands, visit our website, threestrands.church. Right. This is definitely not a typical baptism sermon, for sure. We're going to talk about mental health. Is that okay? And uh, we're kicking off a series today, starting for fall kickoff that um, is dealing with mental health. And for the next four weeks, we're going to cover that topic, see what God's Word has to say about it. I hope you'll come. It's really like one sermon spread over four weeks. But um, so I don't know how you feel. I don't know if that video describes you. But uh, a lot of us tend to feel overworked, overstressed, overwhelmed with life. And uh, if that's you, you're in the right place today for sure. I felt like that this week a little bit. Creates some stress in your life. And for some of us, that paralyzes us. And for others of us, it drives us to kind of act out in behaviors that aren't super healthy for our life. And so whichever side of that you're on, it's still important to kind of examine your mental health and figure out, am I actually living a healthy way? Am I actually in control of my thoughts or or where my brain's going each day? Or has it got control of me? And so um, whether you've been diagnosed with a mental health disorder doesn't really matter today. The truth is that all of us struggle with that stuff. Maybe some of us more severely than others. But mental health is an issue that all of us have. I know there's some people who like to pretend like it's not real because they hear it all over TV or something and they just want to kind of tune it out. And there's other people that pretend like it's everything and you can't, uh, you can't function if you have some kind of diagnosis. You have to just curl up and die in a corner. And so I want you to be free from either side of that and be able to experience kind of the real truth and grace Jesus is offering. I think he has real answers for us. And so if you're stressed out, if you feel like your mental health is maybe not all it's supposed to be, Um, If you feel like the world each day is trying to pour a pitcher full of water into your brain-sized cup and it just keeps overflowing, this is your kind of series. And so um, we're going to kick it off today, I think, in a simple way. I wanted to be pretty simple with it today. The next three weeks, we're going to get super practical with some stuff you can do to kind of address mental health issues you've got. Or um, we're going to be interviewing some people and talking through some different Um, diagnosis and and stuff that God has to say in his word about it. But I want you to know up front that there's a lot in God's word about mental health. And uh, I think so often in church, we kind of focus on like the heart. But really, God has a lot to say about your mind. And in fact, like most of the time when the Bible talks about your heart, it's not really talking about your feelings. It's really talking about your will to do something with all your heart to give it all you got, right? And then the few times that the Bible does kind of talk about your heart in relationship to your emotions or your feelings, it's usually talking about it as a negative thing. Like the heart is super deceitful and wicked and nobody can really know how desperately wicked it is. And so, but the Bible has a ton to say about your thoughts and your mind, more so than your heart, more so than your emotions or your feelings. And in our culture, we kind of flip that on its end. And we're all about our emotions and our feelings and a little bit about our minds and our thoughts. We're going to see if we can't kind of set that right. Uh, And so if that's you, if you're here today and you feel like, man, I've been diagnosed as bipolar. I've been diagnosed as um, somebody has some type of depression disorder, anxiety disorder, anything like that. You're in a good place for that today. You're in a good place. We're going to like um, be gentle with you and hopefully help you from God's word. And if you're here and you're like, this doesn't apply to me, well, then you're just kind of blind to the reality that all of us are moody sometimes, and all of us have unwanted thoughts sometimes, 
Uh, and all of us battle anxiety sometimes. So this really is a sermon for all of us. But if you're here and you feel like an outcast, like the kind of person nobody wants to be around, the kind of person that is never healthy and can't really be in good, healthy relationships, maybe you feel like, I don't know, hopefully this doesn't offend anybody, but maybe you feel like a freak. Is that, are you allowed to say that in church? I don't know if you're allowed to say that in church or not. On Baptism Sunday, I don't know if you're allowed. I'd have gotten in trouble growing up for saying that, so, but... Actually, one of my parents is here, so I could still get in trouble, I guess. But, so, uh, but maybe you just feel like an outcast, like a freak, right? And I was trying to think of a good way to make folks who maybe feel that, like it's their duty to hide from the world, because if the world knew the real them, they'd be disgusted, or they'd be disappointed, or they definitely wouldn't want to be their friend or be around them. I was trying to look for a way to make them feel the truth, which is you're just like the rest of us, that there's nobody in the room more messed up than anybody else in the room. We're all messed up. And so uh, I was like struggling to think of a way to communicate that, and then Kenny bailed me out. So I'm going to help you out. So this week, some of us were praying for Kenny. If you don't know Kenny, he's at the back table right now. And um, Kenny had to have some surgery this week because he's getting to be old. And so uh, he had to have a piece of his ear cut off, okay? <laughs> I didn't really did that, you know? And so uh, Kenny was going, so we were all praying for him that he'd like, you know, heal up and be okay and all that. And so uh, he was at the doctor's office and Heather went with them and Heather started taking some pictures at the doctor's office. And Kenny tells me that like they take him back into the doctor's waiting room area or whatever and they get him in like a hospital gown. And then they say to him like, now go back out to the waiting room and just wait till we call you. And he said, he goes back out to the waiting room. He said, all these old guys in hospital gowns, started walking out to the waiting room. They sell you like zombies, like walking out in their hospital gowns. So he had to sit there and wait. And Heather started snapping some pictures because, you know, she's real like, what's the word I'm looking for? She's like, like me, like, if what? Immoral, what'd you say? Oh, supportive, supportive, yeah, supportive. That too, that too. So Heather starts taking some pictures. Well, Kenny sends me one of the pictures with the caption that, the, the before picture. This is the before picture, and so I'll show it to you. This is Kenny waiting to get part of his ear, part of his ear cut off, and then he sends me the next picture. Says this is the after they were done. This is what he looked like. <laughs> well, with the caption, "Hey, you guys," on it, and so uh, maybe that's you. Maybe you're like Goonies, and you just feel like you know you're around all these people, but none of them really want to be with you because that's what you think when you see you. And it's all you can do to just yell out and be like, hey, you guys, I just want to be loved. I just want to be accepted. I just want to be, please take that guy off the screen. Yeah, but it's, I just want to like fit in. I just want to feel normal. Normal. You just want to be loved. And I think we all wrestle with that sometimes. And uh, sometimes, I don't know those of you who know me pretty well, like, you know, like sometimes around here I don't fit in. Right? Like, I don't fit in. Like, I know I'm here serving Jesus because, like, I don't like to do hardly anything people who live here like to do. So if you grew up in, like, McCreary County, you're probably like the outdoors. I don't like the outdoors. Like, all this stuff you do. Like, when Noah comes over my house, he always wants to sit outside. I'm like, it's like 78. We can't sit outside. You know how hot it is at 78? And so, uh, but I just don't like outdoor stuff that much. But people around here, they love outdoors stuff. And sometimes some people will ask me, like, do you miss being back home, like where I grew up? And I said, not really. The only thing I ever miss about where I grew up is that I feel like no matter what I say back there, everybody understands me. 
And here sometimes, like, there's a different language. You know what I mean? Like, we live in different parts of the country. Everybody has their way of, like, talking. And I remember getting made fun of when we first moved here because I didn't even know what pinto beans were. And they're, how could you not know? I was like, I never even heard of that, you know? And uh, so it's just kind of different, you know? And then uh, people make fun of me because I know what pierogies are. Like, nobody here eats pierogies. And so it's like, you just have, like, different stuff in different places of the world. And so sometimes I just kind of feel like I don't fit in all the time, right? Until last week. Last week, I found my group, okay? I found my clique, my, my people. And so uh, those of you that know me a little bit, you know that I hate to go shopping for clothes. I hate it. So I go one time a year. Usually, it's like when we're out of town. We go out of town to visit family once a year. And so I usually will take that time. Just one day, I like binge shop, and I don't go the rest of the year, right? And so we did that while we were gone this summer, and then we came home, and I went back through all my clothes, and I'm like, well, I don't ever wear that, I don't ever wear that. And I made this big pile of, like, clothes I don't ever wear, and I said to Stephanie, I was like, well, you can just get rid of those, give them to Goodwill, or if somebody wants them or whatever, I just don't wear them, I don't want them, you know? And then she said, well, I'm going to try to sell your jeans. And I said, why don't you just try to sell all of it? So she put it all on Facebook, right? And uh, she's getting, like, questions and comments about him, you know, is your husband really that large? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, she's answering all these questions. And then a lady from Knoxville messaged her, and this is what she said to her. You ready? It's going to blow you away. She said, can I just buy all the clothes? And Stephanie's like, yeah. And she's like, well, I buy clothes for a band in Knoxville, and they all dress just like that. And I was like, are you kidding me? Somewhere in Knoxville, Kenny, there is a band of middle-aged, overweight pastors that dress just like me, and they all wanted my clothes. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And so uh, she was able to sell off all my clothes, and it's like, you know, recoup some of the money from the new stuff I bought, right? And it's like everybody kind of feels like that. You want to find your people. You want to find your group. It's why we do life groups. Because on Sunday morning, just sitting in a row, sometimes you don't get to know anybody. You just kind of watch the show. And so we want you to dig in and get to know people. We want your mental health to be stable and, and done God's way. And I think you can do that. So I wrote down this quote in my notes from William James. He said, you are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. You'll have to write that down look at it later. That's only for like the psychology majors in the group. You are not what you think you are but what you think you are. And what he's trying to say is like, the way you think is going to determine the way you are. Of course, it was said hundreds of years ago, like, I think, therefore I am, right? And so it's like the way you think is going to drive the way you feel. The way you feel is going to drive the way you behave. And if we get that backwards, then we're going to get our lives all out of whack. And this study is so serious and crucial for us. I was doing some research on mental health this week. And I read these statistics I wanted to share with you. In the United States, every 12 minutes, somebody takes their life because of mental health issues. Every 12 minutes. By the time our church service is over, five to ten people will have killed themselves in our country because of mental health problems. People who are under 30 in the United States, one in four of them have considered suicide. During the, year of, the first year of COVID, the National Mental Health Hotline saw a 900% increase in calls and texts. 900% increase. We are the wealthiest, freest, most technologically advanced nation ever. And yet depression is at an all-time high. 
is that a coincidence? Or have we messed something up? Here's my conclusion. I'm going to give it to you now. Here's my conclusion for you today. You may not agree with me. You don't have to agree with me. It's okay. I still love you. But here's my conclusion. You ready? We're broken. We're broken. Now, some of us are broken and in denial about it. And some of us are broken and using that brokenness as an excuse to check out a life. But, but all of us on some level are broken. The Mayo Health Clinic classifies mental health disorders into three groups. We're going to talk about all three groups over the next three weeks after today. But let me just give them to you today. They call them mood disorders, thought disorders, and anxiety disorders. And we all wrestle with all three of them whether you're diagnosed or not. And I believe Jesus has the answers for you. I believe that life with Jesus makes you better and that Jesus makes your life, Jesus makes you better at life too. And so I want you to hear that stuff today. Philippians 2.5 is kind of the verse about this time last year that God kept like putting through my head when we were planning this series. And it's Philippians 2.5 and it says, you must have the same attitude, or some translations say mind or mindset, that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same mind, mindset, or attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now you can go back and read all of Philippians chapter 2 on your own sometime, but the rest of the chapter describes the kind of attitude or mindset or mind that Jesus had. Let me sum it up for you. He was humble, he was obedient, and he served everyone else. That's the rest of Philippians 2. He was humble, he was obedient, and he served everyone else, even to the point of it costing him his own life. That's the mindset he had. That's the attitude he lived with, and we're supposed to have the same mindset. Humble, obedient, serving others. Humble, obedient, serving others. Does that describe your mindset? Because that's a healthy mental mindset. And anything else falls short of it. And so you look at that, and I looked at that, and I think, like, well, where do I start? It's such a big topic. Like, where do I start? If I want to get my mental health right, where do I start? So that's what I want to do today. I want to just give you where to start. Okay, I got it broken down into just three simple things you can do. Here's the first one. You ready? It sounds like what you're saying, uh, or what I'm saying to you, is like you kind of bury it deep down. And you just pretend like it doesn't happen. Like you don't really feel depressed or discouraged. You just go out, put on the fake Jesus smile, and you live with the same attitude Jesus had, right? You, you, you push your way through and you serve others and you act with humility and you obey God no matter how you feel inside. You just kind of grin, grit your teeth and bear it and go, right? But really, I'm just saying the opposite. Really, I'm going to show you in God's word the, the opposite of that today. So here's the first thing you can do. You ready? Own your stronghold. It's the opposite of hiding it. It's getting honest about it. It's coming out in the open and and, and not having everything on your social media accounts be that you're the best. It's not fronting like you always have it all together. It's recognizing that you're Humpty Dumpty and somebody's going to have to put you back together. It's not pretending like you have it all figured out and you're Mr. or Mrs. Perfect. It's owning your stronghold. So I ask you, what is your stronghold? Is it anger? Is it resentment? Is it self-hatred? Is it regret? Is it fear? could be something else. Those are the ones I could think of. What does it trace back to? I know what you're thinking right now. You don't know me. You don't know what I've been through, and you don't know what other people have done to me to put me in this state. You're right, I don't. But I know that deep down, it's probably one of these things that came out of that. You feel angry. 
You feel resentment. You feel a lot of self-hatred. You feel some regret or you feel afraid. You could trace a lot of mental health crises back to those things. Studies have actually shown that 75 to 80% of all illness can be attributed to our thoughts. Isn't that fascinating? Your thoughts are super powerful. Even bad thoughts can make you feel good. You add enough sugar to the worst tasting cereal, it'll taste pretty good. It won't be good for you anymore, but it'll feel good and taste good. And that's how it is for us. But what if we started somewhere different? What if we started at just admitting and owning and identifying and recognizing what our real stronghold actually is? Like the psalmist wrote in Psalm 139, starting in verse 23. Let me just read it to you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Now, I put it all on the screen for you, but just stop right there at that period because that's verse 23. It's like we need to have a conversation with God and ask him to rewrite this part, okay? Because in my head, the way that should go is like, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And then verse 24 should be like, and make it all better, right? Like, okay, I'm coming to God. I'm asking him to check me out, see what's messed up on the inside, know what's in my heart, check my brain and see what makes me anxious. The next phrase ought to be like, fix it, God. But instead, he says, then go ahead and point out anything in me that I'm not doing to be humble or to obey or to serve others and lead me in a different direction than I've been going. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me in the opposite direction that I've been going. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't be like that, but that's how it is in God's kingdom. Up is down and left is right. The first shall be last. And if you want to be the greatest of all, then you serve everyone else. That's God's way, that we get honest with him and with ourselves about our stronghold. What if you asked God first? Listen, I want to be clear and upfront with everybody in our church that, like, I'm not anti-doctor. I'm not anti-doctor, although it's hard to get me to go to the doctor. But I'm not anti-doctor. And I'm not anti-medicine. There are people out there that need um, mental health drugs, and that's okay. But I look at our country, and we're more medicated than ever and still depressed. So there's got to be more to it than that. And all I'm really saying to the Christians in the room, just to the Christians right now, okay, is what if instead of starting with the doctor and the medicine and the, my own coping mechanisms and my own tough will, what if instead of starting with all what my friends tell me, what if instead of starting with all that, we started with what does God think? What if we just asked him first? Not a mental health answer. That's an everything in life answer. I would give you the same advice before you buy a house or before you decide who to date or marry, before you decide how to spend your money, before you decide what kind of uh, things to do with your schedule. We should be asking God first, not last. Why is it God the last resort all the time? Why is he the first place we go? Do you ever hear somebody say, it's like, I've tried everything there is to do. All that we can do now is pray. Like, why is it like I've been praying for a month? I wonder if there's anything else. It should be the opposite. We should be going to God first and asking for his advice, his input. See, the battle's up here in my brain. Did we think it was somewhere else? Do you really think the battle was with that person that did that to you in the past? 
You really think the battle is with that parent who's no longer even living? You really think the battle is with the circumstances that fell on your life? Or, or can you see that maybe, just maybe, the battle is up here? I mean, how else can you explain super rich people, NBA players and NFL players being depressed? Other than money must not be the answer. How else can you explain those who have families still having anxiety? I thought marriage was the solution. How else can you explain people with jobs they love still, still feeling like they're out of energy all the time? What if those aren't the answer? What if the real fight is in my own head? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says this. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture every rebellious thought and teach them to obey Christ. I could add to that if I wanted to. I hate to do that, but I could add on the end there and be like, no matter how I feel, I take a hold of my thoughts. I get honest about them. I acknowledge the stronghold. I own it so it can stop owning me. Now, how do I do that? I'm going to give you one key word that's going to help you own your stronghold. You ready? It's the word repent. Now, I know that sounds like a big church word, but it's really not. The word repent just means to change your mind. That's it. So here's what I want to encourage you to do today. Just change your mind about your stronghold. You're an angry person all the time. You're battling like hating yourself inside. You feel afraid of everything. You're resentful or bitter at somebody for what they did to you. I just want to challenge you today to own it out loud to somebody else. And just say to them or to yourself, maybe look in the mirror, and just kind of say, maybe the real fight's up here. Maybe the real fight's in my head. Maybe if I identify the real battle, I can start winning the battle. Acts 3, verse 19 and 20 says this. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sin may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Now I hear you already. You're like, sin? I didn't know we were talking about sin. This is something somebody else did to me. This is something that just happened in my life. I get it. It's not that you sin necessarily. Maybe we did, but not necessarily. But all of it comes from sin. There would be no mental health disorders if it wasn't for sin. There would be no people abusing children if there wasn't sin. There would be no friends stabbing you in the back. There would be no circumstances that wrecked your world if it wasn't for sin. It all stems out of sin. And what God is saying in this passage is if we repent, if we change our mind about the way we're thinking about that stuff, then we'll get some refreshment from God, some peace. So what if you just changed your mind and kind of concluded, okay, I'm going to move forward from now on thinking the battle's inside of me. Not off-sourcing the blame to other people or other situations, just saying, I got to do this. I got to figure it out, me and the Lord. Here's the second piece of the puzzle, ready? Embrace the truth. Embrace the truth. So let me ask you, what is true? How do I know? In In John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said this, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. That's code for embrace the truth. (laughs) If you remain faithful to my teachings. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
That's how I know it. So here's the problem in our culture. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but like, we've flip-flopped the value of truth and feelings. It used to be like the truth is what mattered, and then I evaluate my feelings based on the truth, but now it's the opposite. Now it's I feel this way, and I evaluate if something's true or not based on how I feel. And when you do that, and your feelings are driving the ship, and they're steering the rudder of your ship, things are going to get crazy quick. Because your feelings are going to go up and down from day to day, and you can't help yourself from feeling certain ways. I wrote it down in my notes like this. I can't keep the birds from flying over my head, but I can stop them from building a nest in my hair, right? You can prevent them from building a home on top of your head. So feelings, negative feelings are going to come to everybody. You can't control those. But what I can do is I can fix my attention on God's promises. I can tune in my perspective to his thoughts and his truths. I can believe what he says. I can believe his description of me. I can obey his instructions for my life. I can embrace the truth. That's what I can do no matter what's happening around me. Here's the key word for this one. If you want to put this into practice today, it's the word renew. You got to renew your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Some translations there say by renewing your mind, by changing the way you think. And then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. I got to renew my mind. I got to stop being so focused on how I feel and start getting more focused on what I'm thinking about. The Bible is way more concerned. God is way more concerned about what you're thinking than what you're feeling all the time. And when we let ourselves be driven by our feelings, the problem with that is we can't change the way I feel. So then I start to feel stuck and there's no way out. And yes, your feelings are always real. They're just not always true. And so I got to embrace the truth no matter how I feel. Here's the third piece of it. You got to choose your thoughts. Now, I know that sounds impossible. I know you might hear that thing. It's impossible. But hear me out just for a second. You probably do this all the time without even realizing it in lots of different areas. Let me give you some examples, right? Every time you go to practice, you're choosing your thoughts, your beliefs over your feelings. Every time. I mean, there's some crazy people out there that really like to practice. But most people are going to practice because their thoughts have told them, I have to go to practice if I want to become the player I want to be. Right? I have to go to practice or the coach won't play me or let me run or let me compete. Most people, when you wake up and you go to work, you put this into practice. I go to work because of my thoughts, not because of my feelings. When you wake up and go to the office tomorrow, you go out and do some work outside. Like, you're usually doing that because of your thoughts. You're not like, oh, man, I can't wait to do anything but go to school tomorrow and get griped at by a bunch of students. No teacher's thinking that. You wake up and you go to school. You go to the line crew. You go to the bank. You go to the grocery store. You go to work because your thoughts have told you, if I go to work, it will get me where I want to be in the end, which is usually a paycheck. Maybe retirement, I don't know. But it's like you put up with what you don't like now, what you don't feel like doing now, to get to where you want to get at the end. You sacrifice what you want now 
for what you want the most. That's the Jesus way. You give up your life now and you gain eternity for it. I sacrifice all I am and die on the cross and in return, Jesus gives me peace and everlasting life. Let me just read you some of this. I want you to hear how much the Bible has to say about our thoughts. Romans chapter 6, you might feel like that's impossible, but listen to this. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 16. Don't you realize you become a slave to whatever you just happen to obey? No, to whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey his teachings that we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. You get to choose who you're going to obey, who you're going to live for. 1 Peter 1.13 says, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Christ Jesus is revealed to the world. I put all of my hope in what's coming. None of it in what's happening. Whether it's good times or bad times, I don't trust in that. That's how I feel. I trust in what God has promised is coming in the future. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. What's coming in the future? Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, the things that are coming in the future. Not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You, O God, will keep in perfect peace. Man, I'd love to have some of that. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Do you get it? We can choose what we think about. And the key word for this one to make this happen in your life is the word redeem. You got to redeem your mind. Because here's the thing, you can't tough your way through this. You won't be able to figure it out on your own. Only when you sacrifice all that you are to Jesus does he give you the ability to have a sound mind. Only then. Let me prove it to you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. I might have this out of order. Addison, see if you can find that. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says... For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. Only when you surrender everything you are to Jesus do you get this. That's it. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is out for you. You don't get this opportunity. I hate that for you. I want you to follow Jesus. But he's the one who gives you a sound mind, the ability to choose healthy thoughts. And there's an enemy fighting against you the whole way. There's an enemy trying to keep you from experiencing this kind of peace. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds 
of those who choose not to believe. You get it? Satan has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. But you can kick all that garbage out of your mind. You can evict all the unwanted tenants. You can see what's really going on. You can embrace and believe the truth instead of the lies. And you can choose to spend the rest of your life with Jesus instead of alone in a corner somewhere. You can do that. You might be sitting there thinking, like, I'm too messed up to do that. Let me read you another passage, Ephesians 4, that talks about this. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, it's what we're talking about this morning. Throw off your old sinful nature like a dirty old pair of clothes and the former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, like putting on a new set of clothes, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. How many passages do I have to read you before you realize God is trying to change the way you think? He's trying to get you to change your mind. That you can't do this on your own, that you can't figure it out, that you can't overcome mental health issues. That you need him. And it's so easy for us to think, like, I'm just so unworthy. If you think that, you just, if you think I'm worthy and you're unworthy, then you just don't know me. That's the truth. You just don't know me. Like, I'm, I'm, at, I'm probably more unworthy than you. But the beautiful thing about God is that he loves all of us. He's not worried about how messed up you are. He's just worried about how mighty he is. And he can take care of all of it, no matter how messed up we are. I shared with you that verse from 2 Timothy 1.7. But 2 Timothy is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a young preacher named Timothy. And in the beginning of 2 Timothy, chapter, in chapter 1, you can read the whole chapter on your own sometime if you want, but in chapter 1, he's trying to encourage Timothy, this young preacher, to keep preaching the truth and grace about Jesus, to not give up, to not get exhausted and tired about telling people how they can have eternal life through Jesus. And he's trying to encourage him to keep going and keep pressing forward. And in that message, he explains to him what that gospel is. I want to just read you a couple of those verses. 2 Timothy Chapter 1, starting in verse 9. This is his sum up of the gospel. He said, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. Now listen, those of you who feel unworthy, unloved, not enough, messed up. He didn't do this because we deserved it. But because that was his plan from the beginning. To show us his grace through Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke broke the power of death. And he illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. So hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching. Does that sound like embrace the truth? that you learn from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Does that that sound like faith, like believing, like owning your strongholds and choosing 
what you're going to believe. You're messed up and you don't deserve it. Own it. Hold on to the wholesome teachings Jesus is giving us. Embrace the truth. It's all shaped by your faith, not by what you can do or how good you can be. Just choose to believe what Jesus is saying. That's really the gospel. There's this story in Mark chapter 5 where Jesus is on his way somewhere and there's a crowd, probably of thousands around him. And they're all kind of like walking with him and like pressing. It's like being in a mob almost. They're all pressing up against him. And there's this lady that comes up in the crowd and does this amazing thing. And I was trying to think all week of a good story in the Bible to go to to sum this whole idea up that we're trying to teach today. And I kept thinking of all these people in the Bible who had poor mental health and all these people that kept making poor decisions and and doing the opposite of what we were just teaching today. And I thought of Jonah who heard clear, instructive, obedient instructions from God, but then did the opposite. I I thought of the time when Jesus... um, came up on this guy who was sitting beside a pool of water. The guy had been paralyzed basically his whole life. And, and there was this kind of, I don't know, myth or rumor that if the, the waters in that pool started to move, that the first person that got in the water would be healed from whatever they did. And, and this guy was paralyzed, though, and so he's laying there by this pool, and Jesus comes up to him, and he says, do you want to get healed? And instead of saying yes... The guy's so broken mentally that he says, there's no way for me to get healed. I don't have anyone to stick me in the water when it moves. So somebody always beats me to the punch. Jesus heals him anyhow. And I thought of the time when Peter and John go walking into the temple and there's a crippled beggar sitting outside the temple. And he asks Peter and John if they have any money. And and Peter looks at him like he didn't even know who Peter was. And Peter's like, I don't got any cash, but what I do have, I'll give you. Get up and walk. And these people were like broken. They were broken. They had been broken for so long, they didn't even know how to ask for help. But I couldn't land on any of those stories. I landed on this story where a woman actually did all these things. This woman had been sick for 12 years. She had been bleeding nonstop for 12 years. Just keep it real. She was menstruating for 12 years. That's a bad decade, right? For 12 years, she couldn't stop bleeding. And the text says she spent all the money she had. She went to doctor after doctor, tried every remedy there was only to get worse. Now, I don't know. You can say, like, that's not mental health. That's a physical problem. That just means you've never really been physically hurt then. Because if you're physically hurting for a while, it doesn't take very long before it starts to affect your mind. And after 12 years of bleeding, probably ready to give up. Probably ready to go curl up in a corner somewhere and die. You've tried everything there is to try, but that isn't what she did. She fought through the crowd and she thought to herself, if I just touch Jesus' clothes, I bet you I can get healed. And so she reaches out and she touches his robe. And it's crazy because that isn't where the story ends. She is healed from that. But then Jesus turns around and he says, who touched me? And his disciples are like, are you crazy, Jesus? Who touched you? There are thousands of people pressing against us. Everybody touched you. 
But Jesus knew there was something more to the story that needed to come out. And he kept asking, who touched me? And finally, the woman comes clean. And you know what she does? Says she told everybody what, she, what really happened. She owned her stronghold. You want to talk about embarrassing? Surrounded by thousands of people talking about you can't stop bleeding for the last 12 years. They wouldn't have liked her. Nobody would have wanted to marry her. They wouldn't have let her go into the temple and worship. It wasn't like today where people would look at that stuff. Man, they would have thought of her as an outcast. And she owned it in front of all of them. Jesus says to her, now you can go. Your faith has made you whole. Man, she had to choose her thoughts because my thoughts would have been go hide. Don't let anybody know how messed up I am. She had to kind of own her own stronghold and announce it in front of everybody to Jesus. She just embraced the truth and believed everything about Jesus was true. And her faith made her well. I've shared this at baptism services before, but I just want to share it again because I heard like four kids from camp talk about that. They must have talked about this at camp, huh, Brad? So I heard you guys talking about this on some of those videos, but it's my Christian quarter. Don't try to steal it from me. It's not mine. I have to give it back because I forgot to bring one. It's my Christian quarter. This quarter won't make you a Christian, but it helps me remember what it means to be a Christian. And uh, we live in an area that I would call like super religious in the country. And every area is not like this. Every area is not blessed like McCreary County to have churches all over the place. But in our area, we do. So a lot of people have a lot of religious understanding in this area. But what I've noticed in my time here is that um, though we know a lot about Jesus and we know a lot about the Bible, we tend to mess up this quarter a lot. We tend to only believe one piece of it instead of the other side too. But this quarter represents Christianity. Christianity is one thing. You become a Christian in one moment in time. It's not something that happens over and over again. It's not something that happens over years. It just happens in one moment where Jesus forgives everything you've done wrong and becomes the Lord of your life and guarantees you eternal life with him. That's it. But there's two components to it, and they happen basically simultaneously. But most of us miss one of them, and we go part of our life without the one. I'm here to kind of set it straight for you. I, I don't want you to be confused about it anymore. On the one side of the Christian quarter is salvation. And there has to come this point where you recognize I can't save myself. There's nothing I can do to stop being messed up. There's nothing I can do to get myself to heaven. I need somebody stronger and better to save me. So I cry out to Jesus because he can. And I just simply say, will you save me? And he does. He doesn't hold your past against you. He doesn't make you pay any penance, do any Hail Marys, or work off the crimes. He just rescues you, right? The other side of the Christian quarter is surrender. And in that moment, I look at Jesus and I'm so overwhelmed with thankfulness that he decided to save me that I tell him I'll surrender everything I am to him. I'll drop everything and follow him. I'll give him my whole life. I'll die to myself and live for him. And I just need you to know that there is no such thing as a Christian who has been saved but doesn't surrender. And there is no such thing as a Christian who surrenders and does a bunch of good things but doesn't think they need Jesus to save them. They both go together. Jesus, will you save me? And because you're the only one who can save me, I will surrender everything I am to you. 
It's not a magic prayer. It's not about your church attendance. It's just an honest heart-to-heart between you and the God of the universe. I'm messed up. I'm anxious. I'm moody. I can't control my thoughts. And I act out in all kinds of messed up ways. But will you save me? And he says yes every time. I'm moody and I'm anxious. I can't control my thoughts and I'm messed up in all kinds of ways. But from this day forward, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I won't get it all perfect, but thank you for grace. And I just fall on that the rest of my life. Man, I was singing the old, uh, oh man, the old Rich Mullins song on the way to church this morning. If I stand, you can Spotify or Apple Music that later if you want. If you're older than like 40, you won't even know what I'm talking about probably, or younger than 40. Where he says, if I stand, let me stand on your promises, God. And if I fall, let me fall on the grace that first brought me to you. And I just thought all morning, like, I just want you guys to know that today. I just want everybody in the room to know that God loves you so much. And he's just begging you to let him free you from all the messed up stuff going on inside your mind. He's just begging you for that. That opportunity is right in front of you today. You can just ask God to save you, and he will. You can just tell God you'll surrender to him. And this can be the first day of the rest of your life. And in that moment, God guarantees you eternal life. The choice is yours. It's always yours. Try my best not to cry, because I don't want you to respond to emotion. I want you to count the cost, because it'll cost you everything. Everything. It costs me everything, and I always fail. But when I sacrifice any piece of myself for Jesus, I get peace. When I own my stronghold and I'm honest about my weakness, he becomes strong. When I embrace what he says and follow his instructions instead of going with my gut, I get rewarded in the end. It isn't always what I feel like doing, but I know what's coming. I know what's waiting. So the choice is yours today. You can join us and get baptized today. Maybe you've never been in a church that does that. I got ripped on this week for doing that. I just don't care. I don't care what everybody else thinks about me. I just care what Jesus thinks of me. But if you want to follow Jesus with your whole heart and ask him to save you, you can come join us in baptism today. We're going to baptize a bunch of people who have already decided to do that. You can jump in if you want to. If you're like, oh man, I didn't even bring any clothes. We brought you clothes. They're in the back. You can come get dunked. Tell everybody you're with Jesus. You're not turning back no matter what. Go to the back table. Grab yourself some shorts, underwear, t-shirt, socks, whatever. And get changed into dry clothes. They didn't even bring a towel. We brought you a towel. I don't even know if I know everything about the gospel. Who does? Who said anything about having to have it all figured out? Who said anything about having to know everything? Every year I live, I realize how little I knew the year before. And when I'm 80, I'll realize how little I knew when I was 40. That's okay. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to say all the exact right words. The thief on the cross just said, remember me. But there has to be a moment where you recognize you can't fix yourself. And I need Jesus to save me. And he's the son of God. He deserves my allegiance, so I'll surrender to him. And if that's you right now, if you're having that moment right this second, then don't be scared. Be courageous. 
and step out and get baptized with everybody else. Let the world know. I'm not hiding it on my social media. I'm letting the world know I'm broken, but I'm being put back together by the God of the universe. And if you're with us, you can just step out and come get baptized whenever we start baptizing people. Can I pray for you? Because it's going to take courage. I want to pray for you. And then we'll hear a few more people's stories. Is that okay? Dear God, thank you for our church and what they provide for me. A place to come and just share your message with the world. God, would you just pour your courage out over the room? Because it takes courage to have faith. Because people aren't going to get it. And they're going to make fun of you. And they're going to tell you that's stupid. And you already prayed a prayer when you were a kid. And I, got, I had you get baptized when you were one year old. What were you doing getting baptized there? They're going to think you don't know what you, They're going to think you're crazy. But for the first time in your life, you're going to be a sound mind. You're going to walk away from everything and choose Jesus instead. And it doesn't matter if you're 8 or 80. It doesn't matter if you've been in church once or a thousand times. It doesn't matter if you have a hundred verses from the Bible memorized or this is the first sermon you've ever heard. None of that matters. The gospel is that you're broken up and only Jesus can save you. And he died and rose from the dead for you. So I surrender everything I am to him. That's it. That's all you have to know. That's all you have to embrace. That's all you have to believe. And you can be saved today. You can have a new Lord today. You can have a sound mind right now. So dear Heavenly Father, will you bless our crowd today with courage? Because it'll take courage to step out of their seat in faith and declare to the world that they're following your son, no turning back. Would you give them that kind of courage, God? Would you give them the same kind of courage that is being spoken in all these stories that we're watching on the screen? Because that's what it'll take today, Lord, for your glory to expand for your grace and truth to spread even deeper in this crowd. Will you give us that glory today? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening in on the Three Strands podcast. If you've never visited us in person, we'd love to meet you face to face. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. at the McCreary County Park building. We hope to see you soon.